Well, glory to God. Um, you know, we would just uh, realize that Helena hit the record button while my son was here when we set up the camera. And uh, he saw himself on the monitor. You guys saw <laughs> that I got my immortality. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm young again. Glory to God. You know, that is the kind of thing. Doesn't the Bible say you will renew our youth like that of the eagle? You know, in that scripture, there is some truth there about uh, talking about immortality and God bringing back our youth in the return of Jesus Christ. The glory to God. Well, uh, today we're going to talk about the um, just being dead to the law and what that means. Now, I've had many questions of people asking me, Bertie, why are you talking about immortality? Now, <clears throat> you know, in South Africa, we had a teaching going out about immortality that basically states that uh, you can be immortal today if you just believe hard enough, um, you know, and if you just put your mind to it enough and, and, and just trust the Lord enough, you'll enter into immortality today. Now, I'm not uh, standing for, for that message. That's not what I believe. Although I believe there's a great truth uh, in believing in, in the immortality of the human body because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and there was a reason why he was raised from the dead. He wasn't raised from the dead for no reason. There was a reason why he was raised from the dead. And that uh, plays a significant role in our lives today. It is not just a futuristic event. It is not just something that's going to take place in the future. Yes, the when we become immortal, that day when our bodies become immortal will be in the return of Jesus. But there's something very powerful that happens to a person today when he believes that he will become immortal um, in the return of Christ. And that is what we're going to look at. Uh, because the, the Apostle Paul and in Philippians 2, uh, he continued to point to the resurrection. Uh, Paul preached the resurrection to sinners. Imagine that, Paul going to, and I preached on this last Sunday, going to the people on Mars' hill that's never heard the gospel and preached to them about the physical resurrection from the dead and they can have confidence that they will... Uh, conquer the physical grave. That was his evangelism message. That's what he preached to lost people. Now, uh, if you think of preaching to the lost today, just preachers watching this today, if you just think for yourself and evangelizing in the street, it would be a very awkward topic to go and tell people, listen, man, I've got good news for you. If you die, you can be raised from the grave and that you've conquered death and that um, it's all about having eternal life in your body. It is kind of a... a, a um, a funny approach. Uh, normally we would come and say, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. Um, he's died for you. He doesn't look at your sin. Uh, he accepts you the way you are and so forth. But the Apostle Paul comes from a completely different viewpoint. And uh, he talks about identity, who and what we are. He talks about, um, he talks about the, the, uh, uh, why we are here on the earth. And then he simply comes and he says that Jesus Christ will come back and he will judge the world. He immediately talks about judgment and he talks about how he will judge the world in righteousness, which is amazing. I'm going to explain that to you today. And um, he's going to judge the world in righteousness. And he says he has given assurance unto every man in raising Jesus from the dead. So what that says is that Jesus Christ will return and he will judge the world in righteousness in making people immortal and giving them what man has always wanted from the beginning. Now, I want to start off by just looking at what happened in the Garden of Eden and what man was seeking for. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, 
God created them and then God said to them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you eat of that tree, you will die. You will definitely die. That is what he said to them. You will of that death die. And in other words, you'll partake of death and that death will start to bring forth things in your life that will destroy your life. That's what he talked about. And Adam and Eve, uh, after they ate of, of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they realized their inability to reach immortality. That's what they realized. They saw their nakedness. They saw that they stand naked. They are not, that they don't possess eternal life uh, inside themselves by their own ability. And their bodies started to die. Uh, and uh, we saw that death manifest fully in Adam about 900, and 900 years, I would say, 900 something years after uh, God told him that. Now, uh, the scripture says that a thousand years is one day and one day is a thousand years. And we see that the day Adam ate of that, he died in that day. So um, he didn't make 1,000 years. So it, is, uh, it just explains that um, we, life is not eternal, living by the knowledge of good and evil. For those of you that are slotting in for the first time, my definition of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is to look at something good, to try and by doing the good that you behold, um, try to apply that good in your life by doing good works and so uh, gain eternal life. So this, the, the, the thing Adam and Eve was seeking for from that day was eternal life. They didn't want to die. They wanted to live eternally. And the death that, that, we, th that they died, and we need to understand this, the death that they died was described by God. Uh, the death they died wasn't a spiritual death uh, like we all think. The death they died was simply a physical death. Uh, because God said to Adam, because you've eaten of this, from the dust you were taken and you will return unto the dust. That was the punishment. That was the consequence, let me put it that way, of uh, taking, partaking of that tree. So when Adam and Eve partook of that tree, um, they went back to that death, what they were taken from. But inside them, they had a desire not to die. It's like any person on the earth. Uh, you have to really be in um, the greatest of depression. It has really got to be an abnormal situation in order for a person not to live anymore. If somebody committed suicide, we say, you know, we, we just think, what a tragedy. We don't want that. You know, this morning on my way back from uh, the church service we had in Durbanville, uh, on the way back there was a, uh, I, I don't see this a lot in the United States and other countries, but in South Africa, if there was an accident and a loved one died, um, you know, at that place of the accident, people put a cross um, and a name sometimes, or then they would go on a regular basis, some people, and put flowers there and that kind of thing. And uh, I saw uh, a mom and a dad and uh, they stopped at this cross uh, and uh, the guy, the, the man was just standing at the pickup truck and you could see his wife was kneeling, crying at that cross next to the road. Uh, you know, and even if I think of that, I become emotional because I can just think in my mind, I mean, it, can, it could be anybody that they've known family or whatever, but I think of a child, you know, that mom and dad's going to that place where the child died. And um, the horror of death because we have not been made to die. Uh, when God designed us, 
He has designed us to live forever and never die. That is what He's designed us to have. Um, and since Adam and Eve, that was the quest of man. Man's quest was you can live forever uh, or, or to live forever. And the lie of the devil was um, you don't need God to live forever. You're going to live forever anyway. Uh, that was the lie. So Adam and Eve quickly realized that it was a lie and that they're not going to live forever and they started to die and they start to see the death in their bodies. Um, I can think of Adam and Eve, if I think of myself, you know, just a physical body. You, when you're 17, you think you can never die. And when you get to 40, you realize that your body's becoming older. Um, not that I'm old or that I cannot do what I wanted to do, but it's just you, you, you realize that you are on this earth for uh, just a, a certain period of time. That is what it is. And there's a desire for immortality. Now, none of us want immortality in misery. None of us want immortality in a fallen world. We want things to be perfect and have immortality in that. Now, in this chase after immortality, in this chase after uh, getting your body to a place where your body will not die, um, the way the, that Adam and Eve thought that would be possible was by doing good, was by beholding the way God lives and trying to do the good they behold. That is the knowledge of good and evil. They were beholding a good life and they were trying to copy that good life and have life by that. Now, uh, as long as what... Um, uh, let me just see here. <clears throat> I want to read... Let me just read scriptures to prove that that, that is what people were seeking. Um, we can read Romans 2 verse 7. It says here, For to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality will be given eternal life. So what the people were looking for, what man was seeking for, is through patient continual continuance in well-doing, they were seeking for glory and honor and immortality, to them will be given eternal life. Now, to us today, the same thing is true. Those who through patient continual well-doing, and well-doing is not defined as works of the law, but well-doing is defined by the new law, which is called the law of life, which is to believe in Jesus. So if we believe, if through continual belief in Jesus, we shall have immortality. That is what it, what it says. But the people of the Old Testament, they, um, the scripture is clear in Hebrews 10, and I want to read that to you, Hebrews 10 verses um, uh, uh, 3 to 5. It, it says that the people of the Old Testament, the Jews, believed that they will become immortal by obedience to the law. That was also called the righteousness of the law or the good deed of the law. So um, if you would obey the law, the Jews believed, then you will live and not die. That's what they believed. If you just obey the law, that law code is so good. It, it helps you with what you need to eat to have a healthy body. It helps you with how to deal with people that you will not die but live. Uh, it talks about forgiveness. It talks about everything to live in peace. It was like the perfect model to have eternal life and not die. Now, for us as Christians, this is a very difficult concept because we have been so indoctrinated through Greek philosophy that what was just common knowledge to the Jews back in David's day and Solomon's day um, is not common knowledge to us. If I say to you, and I, you know, We've got this thing, man, you're going to live forever. It just depends where you're going to live. But that is not the scripture. 
The scripture doesn't point to that. The scripture says that God is the only immortal and he's come to give eternal life as a free gift to those who want it or to those who believe upon him that, that God can actually grant it to them. That is what this is all about. And he wants to give that. That's the greatest gift you can ever, ever receive is this immortality. So uh, we need to understand, and if, if, if scripture means anything, and if, if uh, biblical history means anything, we have to look at this. Um, the Jews believed that through obedience to the law, they can be immortal. And this is what it says in Romans 10 verse 3 to 5. It says, Therefore they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law that the man which does those things shall live by them. Okay. So he says here that Christ is the end of the law. In other words, if you understand what Christ has done, then you will see no need to obey any law anymore. That's what he says. If you truly understand what Christ has done, you will see no need to obey any law. So as long as what you are still thinking there's a need for the law in any form or fashion, be it any spiritual principle, sowing, reaping, tithing, uh, binding devils, whatever you think, whatever principle, principles of obedience to commandments and those kind of things, whatever law you still think you need or that you think passed by that came through the cross and is still relevant today, it is just a sign of your lack of understanding of what Christ has done. For it says clearly here, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. It's the end of the law for righteousness. And now what the Jews came and do, they tried to establish their own righteousness. And what it talks about there, it says, For most describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which do those things shall have life by them, or live in them, or another way of explaining that. Now remember, this is in Romans 10 now. And the whole, it comes from Romans 6, explaining the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 8, that we shall be manifested as immortal. And then Romans 10 here coming, saying that they want to work up their own life by works. They want to preserve their own life by good principles, trying to follow good principles to preserve their own life. That is what it says. Now there's a problem with that, and we're going to get into that problem. And, uh, um, and I'm going to explain to you why, it was so, why a physical body had to be raised from the dead in order for us to be set free from the law. And why God had to do it that way. Okay, so um, I want to just read this again. It says in Romans 10 verse 5, For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does those things shall live by them or have life by them. Now let us just back up again. And I want to just say what I've said and put that as point number one. The greatest desire for man is immortality. Eternal youth. Not just eternal youth, but eternal. No, I'm not talking about a zombie. I'm talking about eternal joy, eternal bliss, eternal quality of life that cannot die in a human body. That's what I'm talking about. Since the fall, that was what man was seeking, and the way man was seeking it was by doing good, 
by doing good, they want eternal life, you know. So what, what we look at and what we need to understand is that the goodness of God sets us free from that which destroys us. So if we look at that, it's very important to understand that, that the law has come, or, or the, the, the law is the righteousness um, that we work up for ourselves to have eternal life. That is what it is all about. So um, God had to come and set us free from that. Now there's something very devastating about the law. Paul says that through the law is the knowledge of sin. And that the power of sin is in the law and the wages of sin is death. So... Uh, <laughs> The more you try to have life by the law, the more you die. So what Adam and Eve did was they, they implemented a system where, we, where they aimed for eternal life and immortality by the works of the law. But Paul said he's come and he's seen that there is a way that seems unto life or that seems unto immortality. But the end is death. And what he calls that is basically the commandments, the Ten Commandments. He says, the more I try to obey the Ten Commandments, the more I find I die. Now that is a very important thing there. We in our minds think of ourselves as Christians, and, and you know, I would love you guys to believe what I'm saying. Um, and I know that there are some people that will find what I'm about to say very controversial, and that you wouldn't want to follow uh, you know, this ministry maybe after I've said what I'm going to say. Uh, but uh, fortunately, and I, I call it fortunately, I cannot be touched by who follows me. I'm only touched by what, is, what I see and perceive as the truth. Now, um, it would be sad for me if you don't want to hear this, but this is... Uh, the words of life. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about what God has come to give man. And I'm talking about a message that can set you free from the power of sin and the power of destruction in this world where you can have true peace and true joy. It might be difficult for us to understand what I'm about to say because we have been influenced through wrong theologies and wrong understandings of God. But please bear with me. Uh, hear me out on this. Uh, and, and see what God says to your heart. Now, a human being, we've seen ourselves as spirits. Now, I've got news for you. You are not a spirit. You're a human. You're not a spirit. You are a human. The Bible clearly says, and the, it, it explains what human beings are. The Bible says that God took the dust of the earth, He blew the breath of life into that dust, and what came forth there was called a living soul. And a living soul is not a spirit. A living soul consists out of uh, a human body that's got a mind, will, and emotions and feelings inside of it. So it is, um, it is, it is what we would call a spirit combined with dust. So if you take spirit, the breath of life, and you combine it with dust, what comes forth there is you. You're not either one of these two. You are the combination of this two. And you cannot live with either of the two. You need a body and you need a spirit. You cannot, you, 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 and, and then your soul is called your life. So the, you, you need both of those to be human. Now what happens is our hearts, the, the human heart is not, 
inherently bad, but good. Paul says that the good that I want to do, I cannot do because of this body of death. This body is dying, this body is decaying, this body is going backwards. It would almost be like someone that's got a very healthy heart, but really struggles with arthritis. <coughs> he cannot run a comrade's marathon. It's like somebody that might have a very healthy heart, but he's got cancer of the liver. It doesn't matter how healthy your heart is, with a, a, a liver full of cancer, you die. So what happens is uh, we've got a body, a, a physical body that doesn't have the ability by its works and its understandings and its knowledge and its apl application of wisdom and all those kind of things to attain unto immortality. That body doesn't have that ability. Although we've got an inner man that wants to live forever, but the only thing that he can use is he can use this body. And the more you use a sick body, the sicker you become. If you've got cancer, the last thing, if you've got liver cancer, the last thing you need to go and do is run a 50-mile marathon. You're going to kill yourself. You don't need to do that. You must still have life in you, but you're going to shorten your life drastically by applying the thing that's killing you. Now, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, the inner man wanted eternal life, but he cannot have it because of this shortcoming here. And the more you apply that which is not made to give you eternal life, which is the human body, uh, and human understanding and human willpower to have eternal life, the sicker you become. Uh, I hope you understand what I'm saying. So, we, we, we so badly, and, and I think this is just a plan from the devil, we so badly want to have immortality outside of the human body. Because if we can have immortality outside of the human body, all the devil got right is to tell you that Jesus died for nothing. That's all. There was no need for a resurrection. There was no need for death because Jesus Christ came to condemn sin in the flesh. And since I'm a spirit, why would he condemn sin in the flesh? It's got nothing to do with me. I'm just, I'm just a spirit. Um, number two, Physical resurrection means nothing because why would I ever want to be resurrected? Because I can just pass on and go to heaven. That would be 100%, 100% what the Gnostics believed. That would be 100% what the Greek philosophers believed and everything but what Christianity stands for. Uh, I know this is radical for a lot of us, especially in our charismatic circles. We've made a lot out of spirit, soul and body and we've made nothing out of human being. A, Jesus Christ, God, became flesh and the Word dwelt among us and God will forever be a human. And we need to understand that and there's significance in that. And that can set us free from a certain things that, that we struggle with. Now, the moment I'm under the law, the moment I'm under the law, what I'm doing is I am engaging human willpower which does not possess eternal life. I'm engaging that which comes from dust. In other words, I'm taking dust and from dust I want to produce eternal life. It is impossible. So I'm, I'm taking something that has not been made to produce life, but to be the place where in life is manifested and I want to produce life by it. That would be, that, that, that is devastating to humans. Paul says that in my flesh dwells nothing good. In this human body, 
In other words, if I, by human willpower, want to be good, at the end of the day, it's not going to be good. You can find people by human willpower, they go and say, we're going to build hospitals all over the world. And inside those hospitals, you find politics and fighting and stealing of money and bitterness and whatever you imagine. doesn't matter what man wants to do. Paul says, the good I want to do, I cannot do. And I find that in this body, wherein or wherewith I want to do the good, is nothing good to produce this good. So the last thing you would want to do in order to have life is to engage that which destroys. You know, I've got a, a little battery drill, a Matabu battery drill, which is a very good quality drill. And it has worked for like seven, eight years now. And then the other day, when I used it, I heard, you know, it's making a funny noise. Now, the, the price to repair the thing is more than, it's the same as buying a new one. So I had to go and buy a new one. But now I see this old one there. And when, and when there's a need for uh, drilling or something, it's like, I, I cannot use that thing. Because it, there is still life in it. But the moment I use it, I'm destroying it. So there's maybe like a little bit of a, maybe a sentimental thing about it or whatever. But if I put it to use, I destroy it. That is what it's all about. So the moment, this is what Paul said, the moment I get under the law and I want to do good to have eternal life. Remember, Paul wasn't seeking to go to heaven. That was never his vision. We must realize, I'm not saying we're not going to heaven. I do believe, you know, and I'm still persuaded in my heart with a strong persuasion that when we become one spirit with the Lord, we will go to heaven. But that is not what Paul preached. You can go and look in the Bible. Paul didn't go about preaching how to go to heaven. He never did that. Peter never did that. John especially never did that. They didn't talk about how to go to heaven. They talked about how to have immortality in a human body. That is what they talked about. And what they said is, uh, and this is what Paul said, he said, I, me, Paul, who I really am in my heart, the kind, loving, caring person that I am, which I believe every person is. I believe the worst drug dealers. There's something good inside them. There's something inside them that want to see good to somebody. Uh, you will find even in gangs, they want family. They want someone to be good to. They want a place to belong. They want to protect. There's something there that is good somehow inside that man. But Paul says, the good that is inside me, who I am in my heart. He says, I die. He says, this is what Paul said. He says, I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived in me and it slew me and I died. And I've come to this conclusion. The moment I engage human ability to, to gain eternal life, I die. Because remember, in Romans 7, and I'm not going to read the whole of Romans 7. Romans 7, Paul says, the way that seemed unto life. What does that mean? The way that seems that by doing these good works, I can have immortality in the human body. I found that those commandments kills me. So, what God had to do is he had to save man from the law. In other words, he had to come and make the law absolute. He had to come and make the law of no use, that there will be no use for the law. 
Now, the only way you can do that, where you can get people out of the law, because through the law is the knowledge of sin and death, the only thing that you can do is, if the law promises eternal life, come and give the eternal life for free. Because if you can give that eternal life for free, then why would there be a need for a law? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Let me recap. <coughs> the law works like this. Man came and um, Adam and Eve entered into a system which brings destruction to them, that kills them. Which is, I'm going to behold the good and I'm going to do the good and that's going to give me eternal life. And since that day, man was seeking for immortality. Man was seeking for immortality, immortality of the human body. That's what man was seeking for, and that is what Christianity is all about. The way they were seeking for it was by a very deadly system, which is to use laws, a willpower to do good, and by that have eternal life. When you do that, you're abusing the human body. The human body has been made as a place wherein the life that's freely given manifests. Now you use something that's supposed to be a, a, a place of display and you're using it as a tool to bring forth life and you're destroying your own life and as your body is being destroyed through the system you're killing yourself who you are it's it's I, I remember one day you know as just in um as you go through life I remember one day Eliana said to me you know we we just had all the kids they were small and I mean and the ministry and they were, we were going through tough times and everything and she said to me you know what I don't even know who I am anymore. I think I've died. I don't know who I am. And we get to that, you know, sometimes where there's so many things that you don't know even who you are. It's as if the real you is dying. And that is what takes place when we're under the law. So what God wanted to do is he wants to preserve your life. The way he has to do that is by taking away the power of sin and the ministration of death. And that is the law. And the way he's going to do that is to tell, to give you what you're chasing after by the law for free. It's like saying to somebody, you don't have to tithe to prosper, you can just prosper by the love of God. All of a sudden you'll find people stop tithing. That's exactly what a person wants. You want people to stop to, to apply the law. Um, and, and I mean, that's what people fear many times when it comes to finances. If you tell people that they don't have to give to be blessed, you know, then uh, they're going to stop to give. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what can happen then is the very being of God can be born in them. Generosity can be born in them because they're now united with the life of God. And when united with the life of God, generosity can be born in them. And then they can actually live as generous people and not try to seek life by works and then you benefiting from it. So, when we look at um, at 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 God's doing is he comes and he says, let me give you eternal life, immortality, as a free gift. Because if I can give it to you as a free gift, you will see no more need of the law. That is what uh, Romans says there. Let me read it again. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone that believes. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law. What is the righteousness of the law? This is the righteousness or the goodness of the law. 
that the man that does those things shall have life by them. So the promise, the good deed, the law promises, the equitable deed, the law says, if you do what I say, I will give you eternal life. Now listen to, listen to this in Romans 8. <clears throat> it says, There is therefore no condemnation or no death for them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, who don't seek righteousness by the flesh. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law, or the eternal life, the law promised, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk after the law, but after the Spirit. Okay, so what is he saying here? <laughs> He's saying very simply this. He says that there's a system inside man. The more you want to do good by your works, the worse it goes. It goes bad. You start to die. So God comes and he says he condemned sin in the flesh. How? By giving eternal life as a free gift. So the moment you give eternal life as a free gift, you will not be living by the law anymore and by that which kills you, for you will see no need for it. Because it's given for free. It's like I remember years ago, I was really, uh, I, I, I wanted to buy, I lived about 10 kilometers out of town, and I was just not in the mood to drive into town to go and buy this thing in Potchestrom where we lived. And it was a tool or something I needed. And my gosh, you know, I, 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 don't, I didn't want to drive there. And um, eventually I drove to town, bought the thing, came back just to find what I was looking for right there um, in the garage. <laughs> You know, the frustration of that is so, so bad because what happened is I had to put in a lot of effort, which was at that point of time not what I wanted to do. And it was frustrating. I experienced frustration. I experienced stress. I experienced short-temperedness and all those kind of things because I, um, you know, I, I, I didn't want to go and buy this thing, but I had to. But imagine I saw that tool before I left. I would have been saved from all the frustration. I wouldn't have applied that. I wouldn't have done that. The frustration would have been gone. I wouldn't have engaged in that. I wouldn't have used that. In the very same way with the law. The moment you know eternal life is a free gift for all, for everybody, for everybody has come to give eternal life as a free gift for all, those who can believe that Christ became their life became their sin, became their death that they are in, and that he conquered their death, conquered their sin, and made a body immortal, forever seated at the right hand of God as our life. The person who really believes that, the guy who really believes that, is finished with the law. He will not be doing the law. Now remember, the power of sin is the law. So what happens when you realize that that eternal life is a free gift and it's yours. Sin loses its power over you. <laughs> and you start to live a holy life. Isn't it wonderful? That's why when you believe in the immortal human body, not a spirit going to heaven. The church, I know this, this is offensive to uh, what we've believed. But the moment you believe in the immortal body, because sin is in the flesh, my friend, 
We don't have to believe that we're just going to leave this flesh body behind, worthless, dirtbag kind of rubbish. No. The problem we have is here, you can have a good heart, but you've got a sick liver. And what you need to have your good heart expressed and have eternal life is you need the healing of your liver. And what Jesus Christ came to do in this uh, analogy I'm using, he came to heal the liver. That's what he's come to do. So when Jesus, when we hear the message of God conquering death and conquering sin and giving the promise that the law promises should we obey the law for free to us. The righteousness of the law equals immortal human flesh. We've, we've made the righteousness of the law as the requirements of the law. Now when the Bible talks about the righteous, that the righteousness of the law be fulfilled in us, it doesn't talk about our righteousness uh, connected to the law. It talks about the good equitable deed of the law, the righteous thing the law will do. The righteous thing the law will do is it will give you eternal life if you can obey all its commands. But now God comes, He gives eternal life as a free gift, so you don't have to obey any of the, the, these commands. And since you are not under those commands anymore, and you're not trying to obey the commands, you're not engaging a sick, dying body to try and produce eternal life from a sick, dying body, and you rest in that area, and you believe upon the Lord, therefore you are stopping the power of sin in your life. That's why the Bible says, shall we continue to sin now that we are under grace and not under law? And then he says, no, God forbids. How does God forbid the power of sin in a human's life? By promising him eternal life and rendering the law obsolete of no need whatsoever, since what you were chasing after by the law has been freely given to you as a free gift. And since you are not under the power of sin, which is the law, under the power on the ministration of death, which is the law system, what happens now? Death is not yours anymore. Sin is not yours anymore. And that's how God um, resists sin in you. That's how God stops sin in you. And what happens when that takes place is we see this spirit that raised Jesus from the dead bringing forth love and peace and kindness and goodness in our lives. And in the end, this spirit, the Bible says, will even conquer, the, uh, uh, the last enemy that shall be conquered is uh, physical death. And we know that will happen in the return of Christ. So the path we are in is on the path of life. That's what we are in. That is why, as that's why it's so important for me, to all of you that are in this church, that hearing my voice, to bring to you the, to, 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 to emphasize the physical resurrection of Jesus. And that we should not just see ourselves as a spirit going to heaven. That's a very watered down gospel. It is, it, I want to say it's powerless. That is why we find so many churches, we, we, we can find people wearing nice suits, uh, you know, and all those kind of things. But when you go into that church, you see a corruption there. You see a death there. You see something there that you don't like. You see something there that when the world walks in there, they look at it just for like a day or two and they say, something's wrong here. It's because we have not been set free from the power of sin. Because we, 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 we don't see this resurrection thing of the healing of our bodies. Now, I want to I read this. Now, let me just find the right verse there in John, John 6 verse 51. You know, the Bible says that of yourself you can do nothing. 
abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. I want to have that scripture in, in, in John 15 in mind and then I'm going to read John 6 here. He says, I'm the living bread which comes down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You see that Jesus came to give flesh for the life of the world. Why? Because life needs to come to our flesh. That is what it is. The Jews therefore strove amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. <laughs> There's a scripture in Matthew 27. I put it on Facebook. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a bit of a controversial scripture, but let me read it to you. I, I don't have it in my, um, in my notes there. Matthew 27, I think it's verse 51. Um, shocking, shocking, powerful scripture that's not preached on. Um, but that has stopped now. It says here, It says, And Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up his ghost. And behold, <clears throat> in other words, he gave up the spirit. He gave up the life that was in him. Beautiful. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks rent. In other words, a rock tearing power. The rocks were tearing. The 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 um, the the earth was shaking it listen to this and the graves were opened and the bodies of the dead saints which has died hundreds of years ago arose and came out of the graves after the resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many <laughs> yes i'm reading from the king james bible right there so this spiritual resurrection rubbish is never, I'm never going to settle for that. Forget that. Yeah, Bert, you know, Lazarus could have been raised because he was dead for four days. Listen, four days, four years, four thousand years, dead is dead, my friend. I mean, Lazarus wasn't less dead. You're dead, you're dead. I mean, if you want to go and raise a dead man, I want to tell you, you need the same faith as what a person needs to raise a man from dust. Because dead is dead. So here, listen to what happens here. The, the earth shook, the, um, the, 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 the graves opened, and then after the resurrection came these people. Now listen, let me read this 52. And the graves were opened, and many dead bodies of the saints which slept arose. So many dead bodies of these saints. So these saints that believed, that were buried there, everybody knows this was so-and-so's grave. He was dead hundreds of years ago. They buried him there. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, the sign of what that implies was seen right there. People that has already turned to dust in that grave, where there was no more remains, just a heap of dust, they came forth and they appeared in the city. And then Jesus, after that, went and he appeared to 500 people at one time. He cooked fish, he touched them, he said to them, touch me for a ghost or a spirit doesn't have a body. 
And what he was saying is, I am not a spirit. He says, I am a human. And what I've come to do is the promise, and, and what you see here is the promise of God, what you've always chased after, which is an immortal life above sin. Remember, Jesus is above sin, man. He cannot even be tempted with it. He's above sin, above death, that which you try to reach through the law. Look at me. Here am I. I became your sin. I became your death. I died your death on account of all your sin that was upon me. I gave up that spirit. And you know what happened? I was after three days. I rose up. And this life you see me is my promise to everybody, for it included all of you. Now the moment you see that, you find no need for a law anymore. And the moment you find no need for a law, but have that as your reality, you find that sin has lost its power over you, peace floods you, you're not scared that you're going to lose your life, because... You know, we in this world, we so want to preserve our lives with our money and our things and whatever. But since we know eternal life has promised us, we're set free from stinginess. We're set free from easily bitterness and all those kind of things. We find, we find a, a passion in our hearts for others. We find we want to give our lives to people. We want to invest in people. We're not scared to take some of our life and give it away because we know immortality has been promised to us. Our lives can never end. We see the promise of God. We see those old saints that came, out, came up out of the graves. Glory to God. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this straight out. There are some that preach as there is no resurrection. And then there are some that preach the resurrection has already taken place and it overthrows the faith of many. I want to tell you this. I don't care how long a body has been dead. There we see those saints dead. Some of them could have been dead for hundreds of years. The graves opened and then after the resurrection, these people came forth and they showed themselves in the holy city. Isn't that awesome? So this resurrection talks about the healing of man's flesh, which puts us at the place where we can expect that immortality that the Jews sought for back in the old, where we are not mixing it in with Greek philosophy but where, or with Gnosticism, but where we see God healing our flesh. The Bible says His Word is health to our flesh. What do we need to be healed from? Death. How are we healed? Christ has healed us from that. And what do we do today as pertaining to this promise? How do you obey a promise? You just believe it. That's how you obey a promise. You cannot do anything about it. I remember, you know, and I've seen that with, with uh, uh, um, uh, Branham, William Branham. He's already passed away. Believe that you can be immortal today. Try to make this thing work by faith and by whatever for him today. It didn't work. The only thing you can do about this promise, the Bible says, and we patiently wait. And that's how we inherit the promise. We just believe this. The most wonderful thing about being not lawless. Now listen, if you live without the law, without belief in Jesus, that's called lawlessness. But if you believe in Jesus, you're not lawless because you're under a different law. It's called the law of life. That means there's a law that says since Christ's life 
is a promise to you and you're not living by the law or the Ten Commandments anymore, but under the principle that would say, His life is your life, that has set me free from this, but it's also set me free from sin and death. People that are just rebelling against laws, that doesn't believe in Jesus, and just want freedom, uh, peace children, uh, you know, I don't know how to say that, you know, that is not freedom. That is not freedom from sin. That is, you see, the promiscuous life that comes forth from that. You, know, you, you, you see the life that, does, that is not eternal in that. But the moment you believe in this immortality and you believe the promise, what man has always been chasing after, the eternal youth, like the video you guys saw just before, before the live webcast of my son there. It's just a young me uh, seeking for that seeking for that, not just eternal youth, I'm talking about immortality in eternal bliss in the quality of God's life, which man was seeking for. My goodness, you know, when that is given as a free gift, why will you chase anymore after that? And the proof is in the resurrection of Christ. And since he had my sin, means, and he died my death, that means that resurrection is mine. And then Romans 6 you can go and read Romans 6, it says clearly there, it says that if we are in the likeness of His death, we shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. And since Jesus has conquered all sin and all death and lives unto God, that is how we mortify the deeds of the flesh. How do we mortify the deeds of the flesh? Very simple, uh, by seeing the death of Christ, by seeing how God, by, by seeing Christ, seeing this life and not living under the law. That is what it's all about, church. That is what it's all about. That's the importance of uh, the resurrection. Now, I want to summarize this just in saying three or four points quickly. Number one, you are not a spirit. You're a human being. Ask God to help you with that. I can't help you with that. You know, Paul said clearly sometimes, he says, I pray that you will be strengthened in the inner man that you can believe what Christ has done. And sometimes, and Paul said that because he knew what he was about to say, and when people see the love of God, it, people's heart might wax cold and weak because this is too much. Like when he said, if you eat my flesh, you will have eternal life. And the problem we've had is we've eaten heaven. We haven't eaten the flesh of Christ. We haven't eaten, we ha we, we're not feasting on the death and the resurrection of a physical body anymore. That's why we're not seeing life in the church or life in our lives. We are feasting on, this is just a bad life, we just hope for the rapture. Oh, that's another thing. Just get that rapture thing a bit out of your mind, you know, and rather see the rapture as being caught up in an immortal body, um, you know, in the return of Christ. That will help you much more. God has come to give you eternal life. That's what He wants to give you. And the only way you can have eternal life is by eating His flesh. Eating means believe upon His flesh. He says He's given His flesh so that we might have eternal life and that He might raise us up in the last day. So God's will, the Bible says, this is the will of God that none of those who has given me in John will be lost, John 3.38 or 6.38, that none of them will be lost, but that He will raise them up in the last day. The will of God is your immortal body. That is the will of God. God, what is your will? That you will live and never die. That is the will. And the will of God and the path unto that eternal life is to be set free from that which administers death to you, which is the law. And as you get free from the law, you start to see the first fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, gifts of the Spirit and all those kind of things. And the last of the fruit of the Spirit that you will see is an immortal body. 
That is the salvation plan. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the very, very absolute good news. The good news is not that Jesus sits in heaven. The good news is that Jesus conquered death. Because we are a being. You cannot live without a liver, my friend. As humans, you need two things. You need the spirit of life and you need dust. And that's what we are. And let us not confuse ourselves with angels. We're not angels. We're humans. And let us honor the love that God has for us. Wherein he came and he became a human. And wherein he saved humans from their sin and from their death. Now church, I know what I've said is very radical in theological circles. But uh, according to the way I see the scriptures, it is the only truth. It is what brings power to my life. It's what brings joy to my life. It's what what brings what makes sense on why God had to become a human being, why he had to die, why he had to be raised, why he, have, why he will return to the earth. It makes sense out of passages like Romans 8 where the Bible says we shall, we shall receive the adoption which is the salvation of our bodies. The only way you can be adopted to the full life of God is in an immortal body, my friend. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What he's talking about there is that you cannot by your own willpower inherit the kingdom of God. God will glorify your body. And that's when full expression to who and what you are can take place. And why can't we just believe God has given an immortal body, eternal life, eternal bliss as a free gift? Why, uh, uh, wh why come to a place where we make nothing of the, of the resurrection? The, the traditional gospel we've preached is a message that doesn't need the physical resurrection of Jesus. All it needs is Jesus dying and his spirit going to his father. That's all. It doesn't need a, a grave opening up. I want to tell you the graves are going to open up. The, there's salvation for your body. There's eternal bliss for you in a physical body wherein you can have immortal life. That's why we are so we welcome signs, wonders, and miracles. Well, our hearts are warmed towards signs, wonders, and miracles in the supernatural. Why? Because those are first fruits pointing signs of what God will do to our bodies because He's given us eternal life. And we see those signs, wonders, and miracles taking, miracles taking place. It makes our hearts rest in that we don't need to obey laws to try and have life, but we can rest in Him. And the more, that, the more we move away from the law, the more we move away from the power of sin and the power of death. Glory to God. I want to just thank you guys for watching. Those of you that want to talk about this message, uh, you will see on our page on dynamicministries.com. Uh, you can click on, if you open just dynamicministries.com, you'll see on the main page there, there's a, uh, there says live broadcast today. If you click on that, underneath the player you find is all the, um, is, a, is a proper description on how to become, how to join in our Zoom meeting, which is like a Skype meeting kind of a thing, um, wherein you can talk about this and receive ministry at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, go and check that out. Um, it'll be wonderful to go and fellowship and just talk about this message, have people pray for you, and uh, just meet like-minded people. Glory to God. I want to thank everybody that watches watch this broadcast. Thank you for slotting in. It's wonderful for me to serve you with this message. And what I want to encourage you to do is go and pray about it. Ask God to show you the truth of his life. Take your concordance, put in the word life on that computer, print out all the words of that says life and read them in one sitting and you'll see what the Holy Spirit does for you. 
glory to God. Thank you so much for watching this and God bless you.